0: Welcome to Cross Plains Christian Church. I'm so glad that you came um, to worship with us, and not just with us, but with the church all around the world that's gathering together today on the first day of the week to honor God and to give him the glory that he is due. Uh, My name's Jeff Beckham. I'm going to be giving the message today. (laughs) If you're not sure why that's funny, well, you can go back, crossplainschristian.com. You can go to our media player, and you can listen to the sermon from last week. Jeff, our student minister, um, preached in my absence, and he did a he did a good job, Jeff, you for stepping in and filling. And he usually stands down there, but he stood up here. I usually stand up here, but I'm going to stand down here today. So now you're all uncomfortable, and I'm perfectly okay with that. So I'm back. It's good to be back with you guys. I'm so glad that you're here. Now, what we're going to do as we talk today, um, we're going through this study as a church called Believe. Each week, talking about a different key topic and different ideas, and overall, we're trying to figure out how we as the church and how you as a Christian, us together as the community that makes up the body of Christ, how we can better think, act, and be like Jesus. We're talking about important ideas about how God is three, yet he is one. We talk about our salvation and why we need it and how that's obtained and how God made that possible for us. Um, We're talking today about the church. And each week we have a key idea and a key thought, a key question to kind of go along with our study in what we're talking about and kind of how we're approaching it is we've got a a guide that's available for you to read the scriptures during the week if you'd like to or would. And then as we come together as the church, you're better prepared to come before God and to worship him and to have his word speak. So we're talking about the church today and our question is, how is God going to accomplish his plan? How is God going to accomplish his plan? And the answer to that is the church. The church is this word that maybe you just use it within the context of what we do here. It's a word that in its very meaning, it means the the ones that are called out, the called out ones. Um, I've, I've used it before and I stole it from one of the preachers that I like to listen to named John Weiss at... Uh, but I am a Buick, I'm a brought up in church kid, okay, that's who I am, that doesn't make me better than anybody else, in fact, there's some challenges there because of that that some others may not face, but uh, wherever you are in your faith, that it, it, it matters, but what matters most is where you are now, not what you got from your parents or what you didn't get from your parents or whichever, but what you do with your faith as a student or as an adult and as you take that and you make it your own. And you come to figure out what you believe and how you're going to act based on how God informs that. So because I am a brought up in church kid and a preacher's kid, so I've spent my whole life in church. A lot of times when I think of the church, I think of a lot of different things. I think of a lot of different activities. I think of whirlybirds and jet cadets and Wednesday night meals and Bible studies and Sunday school and revivals and singings and church picnics and potlucks and a bunch of other stuff. And maybe that's what you think about too when you think about the church. But what the church is, it's so much more. Yeah, it is that, but it encompasses so much more about what God has called for us to do and what the church is and what God wants the church to accomplish. Now, with the question that I asked, well, how is God going to accomplish his plan? Because he has a plan. We're not here by accident. Creation isn't here by accident. God created us for a reason, on purpose, with a purpose that we can live for him. This little thing that I learned in church, we'd say this, we'd say, Here's the church and here's the steeple. You open the door and see all the people, right? I think a lot of times we think about that as the church, that if we want to see the church, you have to come here, that you have to come to the place where Christians gather to worship, to have the preacher preach and the teachers teach and the musicians sing and lead. But a lot of times people who aren't a part of the church or have uh, a very minimal knowledge of the church or even us, who are the church, maybe have spent our whole lives in church, we think, hey, the church is just where I come to serve. The church is the Easter egg hunt. The church is coming to worship. The church is, but it is, but again, it's so much more than that about what the church is. I love the way um, that it was put. I'm going to read it here. You can read it up on the screen. Uh, preacher, Keith Strasburger, put it this way talking about how we believe that the church is the primary way that God's going to accomplish his plan on earth. That's our key idea for this week in talking about the church. That's what it is. The church is God's plan A. There is no plan B. There is no backup plan. It is the church. For God to accomplish his purposes in this world, the church is it, period. Keith put it this way. He said, we're designed for relationship with God and with each other and we're going to give our lives away to make disciples. It is what we were made for, and nothing else satisfies. read that again. Just look, we are designed for a relationship with God and with each other. We're going to give our lives away to make disciples. It is what we were made for, and nothing else satisfies. As the church, which is made up of the people, of you and I, the individual Christians that come together, wherever we are, we represent Jesus, and when we come together as the church to worship, uh, we know that the church isn't the building, the church is the people, and it's us, it's what we do, and it's how we live, and what we're called to do, the mission that God has given us is that we are called to go and to make disciples. We can't just wait until people come to us so they can see what Christians are supposed to look like. Till they come and they show up. We use a bunch of words that they're not familiar with. Then they ask them what they mean. Well, what do you mean by benediction? What does that word mean? And you're like, I don't know. It just means we're done, right? And prayer at the end, right? We use these words in church. And when other people who aren't a part or haven't been a part of the church before they come in, and they try to figure out, well, what is that? What does that mean? And we've got to be able to have conversations with those who share our faith. We've got to be willing and able to have conversations with those who um, might be interested in our faith in Christianity, and have conversations with those that think we're insane for sacrificing what we have to give it back to God. The reason that we want to do that as Christians is because we believe that God has the rightful ownership of everything. Everything in the world belongs to God's, and for a while on earth that he has made us stewards of that. God has entrusted to us everything that he owns, or some of which that he owns, and he wants us to be good stewards of that as the church. And what he has called for us to do, and there's a tons of other scriptures and things that we could talk about, and we're we'll talking about more of those tonight as we continue in our Sunday evening service, talk about this some more as we talk about the church. But as the church, we are called to make disciples that we want to make more disciples and better disciples. That's the charge that Jesus gave all of his followers at the very end of the Gospels. If you read the Gospel according to Matthew, if you read the Gospel account according to Mark, at the end there's this event that we call the Ascension. After Jesus came and he grew up to an adult and he had his ministry and he was killed on the cross and in the grave and three days later he rose and then he spent the next 40 days showing up and appearing to people and teaching them and letting them know who he was and why all of creation was different. Because Jesus came and he sacrificed his life for you. And he rose and he left the tomb empty. And Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to go for now to prepare a place for you. But while I go, he left them with the charge, we often call it the Great Commission. He said, go therefore into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything that I have commanded you. That's the very last thing that Jesus told his disciples to go and to do. That's what you and I as the church, we're still a part of the church that was founded a little bit later when Jesus continued to work through the Holy Spirit that came down. And you can read about that in the book of Acts. It's the history book in the Bible that tells you about when the church started and how it was founded. And God used the disciples that Jesus trained as the foundation for the church. And what we're all called to do is it all comes down to discipleship. We are to make disciples. Now, I don't use that phraseology too lightly, but it's not me or us that's doing it. It's God that does it through us because what he has told us in his word is that all Christians have received God in them. We call that the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in fact, told his disciples, he said, I'm going to go away and prepare a place for you, and it's going to be to your benefit because when I go away, then the Holy Spirit's going to come. And God, as the Holy Spirit, works in our lives to convict us and to teach us and to give us the words to pray when we know we need to, but we don't know what to say. The Holy Spirit is how God works in us when we open our Bibles and we read them and we go, Nahum, what in the world? And God helps us understand what we're reading in our scriptures. And the Holy Spirit we have in us, and that's how the church was started, through the disciples, and that's why the church has continued to exist up until today, and it always will. Because Jesus made a promise about the church. I'm going to read that a little bit later out of the Gospel of Matthew. We, as the church, as the called out ones, we're called to live our lives differently than the world around us. Not for our own name or for our own sake, but so that we can help draw people's attention to God. Because he is the one that's worthy of everything, of our attention, of our gifts, of everything that we have. And we do that, Through discipleship. Discipleship is what we do. Disciples is who we are. You've been hearing about that a lot over the last couple years here, and you're going to continue to hear about it because it's at the foundation of what we're called to do as the church. We are to be disciples so that we can make more disciples and better disciples so that we can reach people who don't yet know Jesus. And then we can take those of us who may already know Jesus, and we can become a better picture of the Son of God to our family to our co-workers, to those that we come together to worship with. That's what we're called to do. We're not called to do it in isolation. We're not called to do it by ourselves. We're called to do that together, connected with the body of Christ. It is the church. There is one. It's singular. It's a definitive pronoun for a re- article for a reason. It is the church. There are not many churches. There is but one church that Jesus came to die for, and we're a part of that. And what we have done is if we're to make disciples, well, we have to know what a disciple is, as the church, right? We talk about that a lot. My goal is for, and what I would expect, not, not in a couple minutes or not a couple, that's selling me a little short, or whenever we're done. But what I want is for every single person that comes together to worship with us as the church here at Cross Plains Christian Church, you can define like that what a disciple is. That's one of the biggest parts of my job to do is to help to teach, to equip other Christians so that we can do the work that God has called for us to do. And we have defined it. The leadership of the church got together. It's on the bulletin. It's on the website. It's all over the place. Here's how we have defined what a disciple is. But because if we say we want to be discipleship is what we do, disciples is who we are, we want to make more disciples and better disciples, well, the important question for us to ask is what? What's a disciple? Here's how we've defined it. Okay, A disciple is someone who loves God and others, bears fruit, and equips others for service. So we're talking about the church today. We're talking about those that are called out to live our lives differently than those who don't know Jesus. And we're talking about discipleship, and we're talking about Christians. We're talking about disciples and how we're supposed to live. So what is a disciple? A disciple is someone who loves God and others who bears fruit and equips others for service. And I just want to spend our time together this morning talking about that. Because we're talking about the church. There's so many other stories and things that we could talk about. But this is at the foundation of everything that we're going to do. That we're going to take everything that we do as a church and we're going to focus it on this idea of intentionally building relationships with people, with others, so that we can do what? So that we can love God and others. So that we can bear fruit and so that we can equip others for service. And we didn't just pull that out of thin air, that definition. There's a a passage of Scripture that's attached to each one of those components of what a disciple is. Now, this isn't the perfect or the best definition of a disciple, but I think it is a really accurate description of what the Bible talks about. So I want to go together and us to open our Bibles and read through these passages of Scripture together. So first... Um, A disciple is someone who, we're going to say it together, who loves God and others. So a disciple is someone who loves God and others. Mark chapter 12, if you have your Bible, turn it on, open it up, flip your pages. Um, Mark chapter 12 is where I'm going to read from first. I'm going to start in verse 29. Mark 12. Verse 29, Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And this within the context of Jesus' life, as this story is told in Mark chapter 12, where he was trapped by some of the smarty pants of the day. And they say, Jesus, you know there's 613 laws. Choose the one that's most important. And they thought that they're going to trap him. And he was going to say something that wasn't right. And Jesus responded with the answer that they needed, not necessarily the answer that they wanted. Okay? That's what he does to us. He says, The most important thing you can do, and it goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, which is where Jesus took this from, the most important command. I'll paraphrase it when I say Jesus said, the most important thing you can do is love God with everything that you have. And then he went and he threw him a bonus one in there. They didn't ask for it, but Jesus does that a lot. (laughs) We ask him a question, and Jesus gives us what we need, not what we ask for. He said, love others with everything that you have. And the second most important is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There are no commandments greater than these. So we're building this foundation of what is a disciple, what is a follower of Jesus, what is the church supposed to look like? The church is going to look like us, people, disciples who love God and others. Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. I know I read 29, but what I want us to do is also, my goal is for us to be able to remember those, for you, for all of us. That way if someone says, why do you go to church? What are you guys about? What do you, what? And we should be able to tell them. That we want to love God and others, bear fruit, and equip others for service. I say, We're, did you just make that up? I'm like, no, it comes from Mark chapter twelve, from John fifteen, eight, and Ephesians chapter four. Now we can all remember that. I think about it all the time, and every now and then I forget them. So I have to go back in and remind myself, and okay, guys, right? That's gonna happen. But we should all be willing and able to learn and to know what we represent and what God has called for us to do as the church. That's my challenge to you, to all of us, that we are to know this. So if somebody says, hey, yeah, I'll come to church with you. Why? What do you guys do? Well, we want to make disciples. Well, the question is, what's a disciple? A disciple is someone who loves God and others bears fruit and equips others for service. And then you can pull out your Bible or pull out your phone or however it is. You look up God's word, whatever is closest to you, and you can read these passages of Scripture with him, and they make sense, and it connects. We want to love God and others. The second part of our definition of a disciple, who we are as the church, is this. We are to bear fruit. All right. So we love God and others, and the second part is, you guys say it with me, bear fruit. John chapter 15, verses 7 and 8 is what I'm going to turn to and read. this beautiful picture that Jesus paints in John 15 where he says, I am the vine and you are the branches apart from me. You can't live. You'll die. John 15, starting in verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abiding you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So a disciple is someone who loves God and others, Mark 12, and someone who bears fruit, John 15, 8. A bunch of other passages that we could turn and we could talk to about that. This is one of those lessons, this is one of those ideas that Jesus talked about continually, that Jesus uh, told stories about, how he talked about fruit, and he talked about trees, and he talked about plants, and he didn't try to make it overly complicated for us. He says, um, apple trees produce what? Bananas. Everybody but Alicia. (laughs) Um, Apples, apple trees produce? Apples. Okay, all right, good. All right, orange trees, oranges. I'm not going to go too far. I'll get confused, right? And Jesus says, you'll know what type of tree it is. know what type of living, breathing thing that it is by what it produces. And he says that a good tree produces what type of fruit? Good. And a bad tree produces bad fruit or maybe no fruit at all. And Jesus is pretty harsh to some of the plants that didn't produce. Um, it's another story for another time or a deeper part of this story, okay? But what we do as Christians individually in our families and your families and in us as the church, what we look at and the question that we always have to ask, and it's a, it's a difficult question to ask because it's, there's not always just that, hey, perfect answer here. But the question that we're to ask is hey, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? What is my life producing as a Christian? What are our lives collectively together as the church here in Cross Plains Christian Church or some of the other churches that we worship at that are represented this morning? Right? What are we producing? Because we're trying to keep in step with the Spirit and do what God has called for us to do and to be the church, to be those that are called out to make disciples, more disciples and better disciples, so that we can bear fruit. Jesus said it very plainly in John chapter 15, verses 7 and 8, and that's why we chose this scripture to kind of attach to our definition of a disciple. Um, Now, we could put about 20 more after that, but I wouldn't remember them, right? (laughs) Okay. He says, by this my Father is glorified. That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So I have to look for that evidence of fruit, that evidence of those Christian virtues that I'm to have in my life. One of the places that we turn as Christians a lot is Galatians chapter 5, where we have this picture of the fruit of the Spirit that is depicted. We have these different attributes that should be in my life that should be in your life, that should be in our lives as Christians, where the Bible tells us and God tells us that because we have the Holy Spirit and we're to have this in our life, we should be producing fruit in keeping with the Holy Spirit, good fruit, because we want to be like Jesus. Our life should be earmarked by things like uh, rigidity and closed-mindedness and hate. And That's you know, not what Jesus told us to do. He said as Christians that we should be filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, thankfulness, and self-control. That should be the earmark of what my life looks like. I counted on my fingers because there's nine, and I usually miss one, okay? But I think I got them all. But that's what my life, that's what our lives together as the church should look like because we want to be disciples. And disciples are people, are Christians who are part of God's local church because the church is God's plan A. There's no plan B. There's no backup plan because it's God. He doesn't need a backup plan. His plan is sufficient. His plan is good, and his plan will not be stopped. And as Christians, we love God and others, Mark 12. We bear fruit, John 15, 8, and we equip others for service. It was part of the key verse from our belief study this week, and it comes out of Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to follow along and read. Or the words that come up on the screen behind me as well. So as disciples, we love God and others. Bear fruit, John chapter 15, verse 8. And we are called to equip others for service. I'll reword that a couple different ways. Um, But let me read this out of Ephesians. I'm going to read a few more verses here. Um, I'm going to start in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of faith and of knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by every human cunning, by craftiness and deceit and schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, From whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Love. That we, when every part, when every Christian is working together, as the different parts of the body are working together, so that we can build up the church in love. I, heard love, or I read about love defined this way. It's the living in the tension of grace and truth. Love is us living in the tension of grace and truth, and sometimes we sway maybe too far on one side or the other, but we have to have both. Where if we love somebody, we're going to be gracious with them as God our Father is gracious with us. But also what we're going to do is that we're not going to withhold life-saving truth from them if somebody's wrecking their life. it's Because if I tell somebody I love them and I don't tell them what's going to save them, do Do I really love them as much as I claim to? So we as the church, as those that are called out to live differently, not better than because of what we do, but different, but because of Jesus that does make us different and better than those that don't have Jesus, okay? Disciples love God and others, bear fruit, and equip others for service. Uh, we could wordsmith that last phrase a little bit. Equip others for service. It's the words that's used right here. Um, verse twelve says, uh, "To equip the saints for the work of ministry." Equip is another word for train, to teach, to coach others. The saints, Christians for the work of ministry. Ministry and service go hand in hand. We're called to serve one another. So when we say equip others for service, you could just as easily say train others for ministry because ministry isn't just what we do together, what I do, what Jeff and I do is our vocation, our jobs. We believe in this idea, this tenet of the priesthood of all believers, that God gave us his son and then he gave us his spirit. And because we have God living in us, we are all priests. We are all called to work and minister to others. That's why we as Christians, to make more and better disciples, we're going to love God and others, bear fruit, and equip others for service. It's our job. Parents, it's your job to train your kids in your faith. Grandparents, the same thing. Aunts and uncles, cousins, kids, brothers, sisters, it's your job to help reflect Jesus to everybody that you're around. And we do that better when we come together in this context called the church, this Christian community that we have that we can help to equip others for service. As the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so we can come together and we can sharpen, we can grow, we can help one another. Now, I want to just say all all the parts of this together. What is a disciple? And you guys can say those parts. It's on the screen. This is an open book test. It's all right here, perhaps anyway, okay? So is the disciple someone who loves God and others, bears fruit, and equips others for service? Mark 12, John 15 Ephesians 4. Remember it that way? Then once you have those chapters down, then get into the verses and you can find it because if you don't remember what verse it is, you go, it's in Ephesians 4 somewhere, uh, and then you just turn down and you find it. I came across this um, this week. I'm going to share with you an excerpt from um, Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird. The, um, it goes like this. Sometimes the Bible in the hand of one man is worse than a whiskey bottle in the hand of another. There are just some kind of men who who are so busy worrying about the next world that they've never learned to live in this one, and you can look down the street and see the results. What's that talking about there for us? It's not the Bible. It's a novel. It's a great American novel. It's talking about uh, how can I see the fruit in my life? What is my life producing? That is in keeping with what God has called for me to do, what he's called us to do as the church, because the church is so much more than just what we do when we come together. We don't come to church. What I say, we come together as the church, okay? And it doesn't matter if you feel like you've gotten zero knowledge of the Bible or you've studied it your whole life. We've got to be careful that what we think we know is what we really should know. We've got to be careful and test what I think that I know in my head about what God has taught me in his word and back that up with what scripture tells us about what the church should be, about what disciples should look like. And hopefully a lot of times we're going to go back in and what we've been taught or what you've been taught maybe in church from teachers or wherever is that it's going to back up what you've taught and it's going to affirm the things that you believe. But what's going to happen to all of us, every single one of us, myself included, is there are going to be some things that we think we have figured out that we don't. And what God will do is that he will reframe our understanding when we do that within the context of his word and reading it and saying, God, teach me and to help me to understand. God, help me to know what the church is so that when somebody asks, I can tell them. And this isn't going to be the church here at Cross Plains for everybody. No one church can reach everybody, but there's a bunch of people that we can reach. There are so many people around us, maybe some that you know and a bunch that we don't even know yet, that God wants to use you. To help them know that they should live their life to love God and others, bear fruit, and to equip others for service. So that they can go out with us and we can train others for ministry. That we can do the work that Jesus called for us to do. A lot of times when our lives feel like they're wrecked, it's because we put our hope in the wrong place. Now, I know that is going to happen to a lot of people this year in the election season. It just is. Don't care what side of the vote or the issue or the things you fall on or who you like or you don't like. If you're putting all your hope in a politician or a political leader, your hope's in the wrong place. And you're going to be let down. And if you think because they de- didn't get elected to run that the world's just going to. Uh, there is a king. And he is on his throne. And that has not and will not change, regardless of who is in power here or in other countries. Does that mean we shouldn't be involved in certain things? Well, no, no, no. I'm not saying that. Hear me carefully. When we put all of our hope in the wrong place, that's when we get devastated when we get let down. You put all your hope in me, guess what? I'm going to let you down. I'm not going to do it on purpose, but it will happen. We put our hope in the one who is worthy of putting our hope in which is why what we're called to be as the church is so much more than just showing up and singing and talking and reading and good sermon preacher, um, let's go eat. It's We want to know what we believe so that we can explain it to others, so that God will work in you so that others know that as the church, we love God and others, bear fruit, and equip others for service. Mark, John, Ephesians. There's one other verse I alluded to earlier, and I'm going to turn to it and read it now. Uh, where if you're feeling a little bit too defeated about uh, maybe a a lot of times nostalgia gets us in a bad place because we remember the good old days, but we don't remember how sick or poor or tired or broken or any of that other stuff. We just remember some of the good things, okay? If you feel discouraged about um, the church or the influence that we have, um, don't let that go too far. Because Jesus told us this in Matthew chapter 16, This is when he asked Peter, he says, who do do you think I am? Here's the response. After Simon Peter said, uh, Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 16, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you, Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it." The foundation of the church is the disciples, Jesus' apostles, that he picked. And he built it on them, filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So if you think because of some political or anything else in your life that the church is being defeated, read it again. The church will not be defeated. The gates of hell, the gates are not an offensive weapon. Right? Gates just kind of stay put. What we can do is we can beat back the gates of hell when we really understand what we're called to do as the church, to make disciples and what that is and how it's done. It's not done through me or anybody else. It's done through God and through his word and through his truth that he gave us and through his spirit that lives in you as the church. So I would encourage you, encourage you to know what you believe, to say, God, give me the strength to speak when I should and the wisdom to keep my mouth shut when I'm going to do more harm than good. And to know, and we're called to live differently. Disciples who love God and others bear fruit and equip others for service. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, you're so great, and you're so loving and kind to us. God, I'm grateful that you chose us as the church, not as your backup plan, but as the primary plan to help others come to know you. We're to let our light shine in a world that is filled with darkness. But as long as the church is still here and exists, which it always will, Jesus promised us that, God, the darkness will not win. Father, I pray that we understand the church better the longer that we're a part of it. And, Father, that we operate within your framework of what you've given given us. God, knowing what we believe and how we need to intentionally invest in the relationships with other people so that, God, they know that we love them because you commanded us to. Love, it's not just a feeling that we have, but biblical love, this idea that you gave us, this command, it's a command. God, you've commanded us to love others. Father, may we live our lives that reflects that truth. God, I love you. Thank you for our chance to come together this morning. And all God's people said, amen.